postpartum body odor. It is a totally natural phenomenon because your body chemistry changes after giving birth. And so sometimes that means that what worked before is no longer effective. But I am excited to say that now there is a solution for that stubborn odor. The Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is a completely natural deodorant made by a postpartum mom who went through it herself. And it works by eliminating and preventing bacterial body odor without covering up your skin's comforting smell to your baby while giving you 12 hours of odor control. And let me tell you, it actually works. Here at the house, we've all been trying it and loving it. Now, before you think, ew, you're sharing a deodorant with your husband and daughter, let me explain that this full-body deodorant comes in a convenient pump applicator that lets you apply it anywhere on your body with no bacteria traveling on the deodorant, so no ew involved. We also love that the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant has a delightful natural scent of USDA certified organic extracts that smell like a pink sugar cookie with lemon frosting. I thought this would be a little strange, but it's actually amazing. Also, the Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant is free from artificial fragrances and any kind of senoestrogens or herbs that can interfere with breastfeeding. Find your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant at postpartumdeodorant.com. That's postpartumdeodorant.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off through the month of May. Get your Sugar Sugar Postpartum Deodorant now at postpartumdeodorant.com and start smelling more like yourself again. Hello, Mighty Parent or Parent-to-be. Welcome to Birthful. I'm Adriana Lozada, and you're listening to another episode in our series on models and places of birth. Now, so far in this series, we've used a very wide-angle lens to explore the ideals and models that lay the foundation, if you will, for how we approach birth, both culturally and institutionally. Today, I thought we'd get a little more granular, a little more detail, and look at the pros and cons of the three most common places people tend to give birth, which are a hospital, at a freestanding birth center, or at home, and also talk about how these options can shape and influence how your birth unfolds. If you've never thought of giving birth in any other place than in a hospital, you are not alone. 98% of U.S. births happen in a hospital, in part because many people don't know that they have other options, but mainly because of the limited access to birth centers and home birth midwives. However, births at freestanding birth centers and home births, which are collectively called community births or out-of-hospital births, have been slowly yet steadily increasing since 2004, and that rise has been gaining more momentum since 2020, with the pandemic playing a large part in boosting that nationwide trend. Figuring out where to give birth is an important decision because physiological birth flows best when you feel safe, supported, heard, and cared for. And so if you don't necessarily feel that way in a hospital, it might be worth your while exploring other options. So I'm going to do a quick rundown of how each birth setting differs. And I want to make sure you know I'm not going to talk about safety because that is a very detailed and nuanced conversation for another day. But I will say that the research shows that if you have a low-risk, full-term pregnancy, all birth settings carry similar risks. So let's start with the hospital. 
About 98% of births happen in the hospitals in the U.S., and it's the most widely available option, although there are significant holes in rural and urban settings that leave many in health deserts with no good options. Hospitals serve people who are low-risk and also high-risk patients because they need to access maternal fetal medicine specialists. And of all hospital births, that's about 15% that require a higher-risk specialist. Also in hospitals, most of the providers are OBs, so about 86% of them, although there are some mixed practices where there's OBs and midwives working together, and then even though they're rare, you can get some full midwifery practices working at hospitals. Hospitals, they're not all created equally, even Hospitals across the street can have fluctuating cesarean rates with one having a very low cesarean rate and the other one, you know, extremely high above average. So that's something to take into account when you're evaluating which hospital to go to. Hospitals are, of course, the most medicalized option, and it's the one where you're also going to get more interventions and more limits to what you can do, limiting your choices. So you might have to follow protocol and get continuous monitoring and limit what you drink and eat, maybe limit your movement, have lots of cervical checks, lots of peoples, and go through triage, which is this limbo between staying and going. And you can't just cocoon into your birth because you don't know what you're going to do. So that is also an interruption. Also, very few of them allow water births as an option. Also, in hospitals, you might find that you have less continuity of care because depending on shift change, you might get shuffled between nurses and providers and even rooms. They may also limit the amount of people that you can have present at your birth. This sometimes is important for parents of more than one kid that want the siblings to be present for the birth. However, you do have more access to pain medication and is the only option that offers epidurals. Now, if there is a full midwifery group at the hospital, then you may receive a hybrid of a birth center care with more flexibilities and policies and fewer interventions with better outcomes. Hospital births tend to be covered by insurance. And in terms of interventions, you have to then figure out that you are going somewhere. You clearly have to figure out during your labor when to go to the hospital. And usually you can't go home before 24 hours because they want to observe the baby for that long. Ah, postpartum brain fog. Did you even know that was a thing? But I'm guessing that if you have little ones at home, you're probably feeling it, along with the increased mental load of trying to be a multitasking caregiver, facing the stressful demands of everyday life. And that's without even considering the added lack of sleep. It's definitely a lot, which is why I'm so appreciative of Needed's cognitive support supplement created to help support key aspects of cognitive health like focus and attention, brain health and memory, and even alleviate brain fog and eye fatigue. Now, what makes Needed's cognitive support so unique is that unlike many other cognitive support supplements, Needed's is appropriate to take while breastfeeding. In fact, it was designed with this in mind. But don't just take my word for it. In an in-market study, 92% of people taking Needed's cognitive support saw an improvement in overall cognitive function, with 78% seeing an improvement in mental clarity, aka brain fog. And of these many positive reviews, my favorite is one that says, quote, 
This is my third postpartum period. This is the best I have felt mentally and physically, despite now having three kiddos to care for. End quote. Basically, taking needed cognitive support is an easy way to help reclaim your brain during postpartum. Head over to thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of needed products. That's thisisneeded.com and use the code BIRTHFUL for 20% off your first month of needed products. Now for birth centers, only about 0.4% of births in the U.S. happen in birth centers, even though they've been increasing since 2004. And you can have two types of birth centers. One is a freestanding center or one that is attached to a hospital. But the ones that are attached to a hospital, what you want is units that are autonomous and run by midwives and not just redecorated OB wings. Usually, birth centers only take patients that are healthy, low risk, and that definition can create limits of what can happen in a birth center. So often, no twins, no breach, no people with gestational diabetes, no births after 42 weeks, and no VBACs, although that varies from center to center. Birth centers tend to be midwife-led with a nurse, and it does provide for high continuity of family-centered care. You are definitely connected with your provider. There is medical equipment available at the birth center, but you will experience less interventions. And if you are looking to have an epidural at any point, then that would require a transfer to the hospital, although some birth centers may have the option of nitrous oxide, so laughing gas, and in general, we'll focus on non-medicated comfort measures to help you through the process. A transfer to a hospital from a birth center is easier or tends to be easier than a transfer from home because they tend to have policies in place for easy continuity of care. And if you're having a birth center birth, the statistics are that about 16% of them transfer to a hospital. At a birth center birth, you take the lead, you move however you want, eat whatever you want. The monitoring is usually intermittent and you have access to a water birth. You'll also have more privacy because it's more home-like but you still have to actually leave your home and go somewhere and figure out when you're going to leave. So that is an intervention. Not all insurances cover birth center births. However, the staff tends to know how to assist you figuring out what coverage and payments you will uh, end up having. And you get to go home quicker, usually around four to six hours. And then your third option would be a home birth. And in the U.S., close to 1% of all births happen at home. The options there are an assisted birth assisted by home birth midwives or an unassisted birth, also known as a free birth. If you're having a birth assisted by midwives, usually they can only serve populations that are healthy, low risk, and then that also creates a definition of limits. Like I mentioned, no twins, no previous cesareans, no breach, no going past 42 weeks. You might find that things vary depending on the midwife and depending on the state. With home birth midwives, you usually get continuous care by a small group, and they do bring tons of medical equipment with them, 
including oxygen, including Pitocin, if needed. So it's not like they show up with just, you know, their hands in a little bag. And they tend to travel in pairs or have an assistant because one of them will be caring for you and the other one for the baby. If you are at home and want to have access to pain medications like an epidural, then you would have to transfer to a hospital. Of home births, about 37% transfer to a hospital, but many of those are non-emergent. Like I said, if you wanted an epidural, that would require a transfer. That 37% is for first-time birthing people. If you've already had a baby, then that transfer rate tends to be 9%. At home births, you'll have very few interruptions and complete control of the environment. So you can decide if other kids are around. It's super comfortable because you're already home. So after you've given birth, you're already ready to sleep in your bed and have all your amenities. You don't need to go anywhere and you can have a water birth if you so desire. The home birth midwives leave a few hours after the baby has been born and even though you don't have around-the-clock care, they will visit you the day after you give birth and then again a few days later and maybe even more. And finally, home births may not be covered by insurance and the cost does vary by location. The decision of what place is right for you to give birth in is such a highly personal one. And as I mentioned before, one of the biggest tools for making that decision can be exploring where you feel safe, supported, and cared for, since that's what's going to be needed for oxytocin and physiological birth to flow. However, I also know that often your choices are going to be limited by what's available where you live or whether you're able to afford it if it's not covered by your insurance or you don't have insurance. If your first choice is not available to you, it's going to be important to figure out how to change the space that you will be birthing at so that you feel safe and well cared for there. So for example, you may want to explore ways to cozy up the space by bringing your own pillows, your own labor clothes, images to put up around your room to decorate it, have your music, maybe add some battery-operated candles, whatever works for you to make the space yours. And then definitely get a doula. We're going to talk more about the reasons why you want a doula in an upcoming series on care providers and birth teams. But before we do that, we first have to round off this series on models and places of birth. In the next few episodes, we'll dive deeper into what to consider when comparing hospitals and also helping you decide if a home birth is right for you. And we'll also showcase some wonderful birth stories at each place. You can connect with us on Instagram at Birthful Podcast. In fact, if you're not driving, we would just love it if you would take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to Instagram sharing what was your favorite part about the episode. Make sure to tag at Birthful Podcast so we can see it and amplify it. You can find the in-depth show notes and transcript of this episode at birthful.com, where you can also learn more about my small birth preparation classes and download your free postpartum preparation plan. Birthful is created and produced by me, Adriana Lozada, with production assistance from Asia Plati. This episode was produced in part by LWC Studios, Paulina Velasco, Virginia Lora, and Kojin Tashiro. Thank you for listening to and sharing Birthful. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and everywhere you listen. And come back for more ways to inform your intuition. Hey, Mighty One. 
Did you know that if you started listening to one birthful episode per day at the start of your pregnancy, your baby would be about three months old before you got through all of them? That is so much birthful. So to ease us into the summer and to help you catch up on your listening, we're going back to releasing one episode per week instead of two. Now you know. 